if you care enough to understand what your coworkers' dreams are, then you've made a connection that's deeper than most and you can help guide them overall. How do we get there? A lot of times it's their work that's going to help them achieve their personal dreams. And so we thought that was really, really important. This is Lead with Culture. I'm Kate Volman, And on this episode, we're talking about culture and coaching. I chatted with Alex Sharp, president and CEO of Signature Travel Network. With $10 billion in annual sales, the network's significant buying power is further leveraged by partnerships with 1,300 of the world's finest travel suppliers. We talked about leading through difficult times, the impact of coaching, and why serving others will ultimately help your business grow. Enjoy the episode. All right, Alex, I'm so excited. We're getting to chat. Thanks so much for taking some time. Oh, gosh, thanks for inviting me. This is great. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun conversation and all about culture and coaching. So let's start with, I'm curious, how do you define culture, Alex? Culture in the workplace is how you do what you do, right? I mean, it's understanding how we want to be presented, the way we want to do things, and making sure that you create a group around you that will act that way. So that's the way I look at culture. Hey, I think that's great. Especially when we live in a world where we glamorize complexity, we need simple. We need some simplicity in life. All right. So you are the president of a big organization. You have a lot of people. You're managing, you're leading, you're coaching a lot of people in your organization. It's been a really interesting past three to five years. You're in the travel business, obviously, many businesses we've seen a lot over the past few years, but certain industries were hit very differently. So I'm curious, what have you found to be the most challenging as far as leading your team and building your business over the past three to five years? You know, if you think of the COVID period, some of it was starting to dismantle the business a little bit, break it down a little bit, make it a little smaller, a little more efficient so that we could survive COVID and then rebuild it, which is always a great opportunity in any business. So we're cooperative of travel agencies, which is important from this standpoint. We have a great team of people and that's the culture I focus on, but we also have a broader culture within the umbrella of Signature. There are 200 travel agencies, so small businesses, small to large businesses, and then 15,000 travel advisors. So there's the signature piece of it, our 75 people, and then the broader piece of 15,000 people. So a lot of what we try and do at Signature is modeled by these smaller businesses who are trying to work their way through and build culture and build back. And so that was really the plan. It was to lead by example, to understand how do we right size, then how do we regroup so that we can build back in a way that was going to allow people to thrive from out the other side of COVID. And that's what we did at Signature was we really rethought everything. We had a pause, unlike any pause anyone would ever want. Travel was at a standstill for 500 days. And we took that opportunity to understand what was most important for our customers, what was most important for our coworkers. And then we were translating that to these other businesses that are affiliated with us and saying, okay, how do you prepare yourself? for what comes next. How do you prepare yourself for the great comeback? Now we're reaping the rewards. Everybody is up tremendously. They're more efficient. They're more profitable. And that's all you could hope for, right? I was explaining it to my wife the other day. She says, oh my gosh, you make it sound like it was 
me having a baby. Like it's the painful, horrible thing. And then I forget about it because the joy of the good side of holding this beautiful baby is overwhelming. You forget about the pain you just went through. She says, almost like you guys forgot about the pain of COVID. I said, I don't know that we'll ever forget that pain, but we certainly are enjoying this ride on the other side and the work that was put in during COVID to get us in this position. How did you grow as a leader during that time and help your people in such times of uncertainty? Yeah, it was a really, really difficult time, particularly early on. I've been in this role for nine years now. So let's say six years at the beginning of COVID. And the travel industry has always been one with ups and downs. You could point to different world events, different travel events. 20 years ago, airlines cut commissions. That was a huge change in our industry. 9-11, 2008, the recession, so on and so forth. And I remember my predecessor passed away about nine years ago now of cancer. And I sent out the note to all of our partners and coworkers and everybody. I got all these notes back. Says, if it weren't for Michelle, I would have never survived X. I would have never gotten through this. I would have never survived my own cancer. She was such a beacon, such a strength. And here I was thinking, oh my gosh, here's the first chance. And I'm going to screw it up. We're going to close. The travel industry is over. And once I got over my own self-pity, I went back to, again, the most simple thing. If you serve others, things will be taken care of for you. If we focus on what's next for me, how's this going to impact me? So we're fortunate. We're set up to serve these 200 businesses, these 15,000 advisors. If they survive, we'll survive. If they thrive, we'll thrive. And so we just completely went all in on how do we serve others? Not only did we serve them, did they survive and are they thriving now, but signatures as well. We attracted more and more travel agencies that wanted to be part of us, people who wanted to be part of our company. And so it really worked. But that was the key, focusing on other people first. That's so beautiful. And I love that you talk about how by doing that, you're attracting those right people. I mean, that's culture, right? Like people are hearing about this culture in this organization where you service to others first, people first. And when you do that, then other people in that same industry, they're like, wait a second, what are they doing a little bit differently? And why might I want to join that team? Which obviously is we have that internal culture and then people talk about it outside of the people that are working there. And then when people leave and the experiences that they're having in that organization. So do you feel as though you're intentional about building that type of culture? Or do you feel like you're just focused on really growing the business and putting those people first? How often are you thinking about culture? I'm not thinking about it actively through coaching. That's when I have those discussions. You know, when I sit down with my coach once a month and go through things, he says, okay, well, have we thought about this or that? Or, do you know that this is the byproduct of what you're doing? And then I can reset a little bit. And what else can we do? And how could we refine this to be even more compelling? But I think when you start from a place of good, when you just say, I want to serve other people, a lot of good comes from that. And that's where we started. It wasn't, hey, we're going to build a culture and we're going to show them. It was just like, I don't know what else to do right now. I could sit here and worry about what life's going to be like over the next three, six months. Is travel going to make it? all these different challenges that we were up against, we had to stay busy. So it's like, how do I dig in? How does every one of our members get PPP, the payroll protection? These are small business owners in some cases that were intimidated by the process. They didn't understand it. We were filling out forms. We were calling banks. We were doing things for them. It made us feel so good 
that everyone got it within the first couple of months. And so it was those little wins that then just started to create that big snowball. And what else can we do? How are you going to reshape your business? How are you going to look at your fee structure? How are you going to look at your pay structure? How can we help you negotiate your leases better? All those things. And our organization is somewhat unique in that it's this bigger family of many different travel agencies. We became the connector for the different owners to help each other. We became the folks that said, well, Joe does this extremely well. Can I connect you with Joe? And then they would go together and figure it out. And so we just built this culture of collaboration and caring for each other. We've always had an element of that, but just took it to the next level. For outsiders, it became so attractive. When I look at our total sales volume, if you go back to 2019 and say, what were those guys producing in 2019 before the pandemic? And new people that came in, agencies that came in, we grew 75% during COVID. These are people saying, I want what they're having. How come we're not hugging each other? How come we're not taking care of each other? And again, it wasn't something that we set out to do on purpose. Initially, we put a note up on our recruiting website that said, we're not taking new members. We're going to focus on the ones we have. How do you think about bringing on new when you kind of take care of these guys? And then the dam broke. Partners, our other travel agency owners were saying, oh, no, but you have to have this agency. You have to have this person. They're great. They fit with us. They'll be wonderful. They'll get back. And it just blew up. And it's been wonderful. That's so awesome. Let's talk about coaching because you have been working with one of our Floyd coaches for a number of years now. And I love that you shared that obviously you have conversations with them every month. And what does coaching provide for you to help you grow as a leader? What I love about it is I don't talk to my competitors the same way I can talk to my coach, but I have a great team that I can talk to. But I think as people want to complicate things. And what I love about having a coach is I can get into all these permutations this and that. And he says, well, what it boils down to is X, right? And you're like, yeah, you're right. Okay. It's simpler than that. And so a lot of times it's just getting me focused on what's most important. But then strategically, it's okay, where do we take this next? How do we turn your managers into coaches, Alex? What are you doing for your team? What are they doing for their team in order to make sure that we're truly coaching people, getting the most out of them? And so it's really made us look at our business completely different. How do you approach your coaching sessions and how do you approach them going into them? And then afterwards, when you're done with your therapy session and you're moving forward? Well, the afterwards is easy because I do get some really succinct thoughts, both right in the wake of it, but then sometimes a day or two later, still think about more ideas. But I go in with what are my priorities? What are the things that are on my mind? What's getting stuck? It might be a personnel issue. It could be we have an upcoming board meeting and this is the way the board's thinking. This is what I think is best. How do I get them on the same page kind of thing? And so we'll go through those types of things. But really, I'm not getting a business plan for my coach. How can I think about it differently? How can I draw people in the way I'm thinking about something and get their feedback and make them feel part of the process so that we can arrive at the right decision? It's subtle things, but it does help me going into it try and spend some time thinking about what are the top three things that are on my mind today? One of the big three things I want to get resolved in the next month. And then coming out of it, one of those action items and how am I going to get them so that when I come the next month, I'm not coming back with the same three things. Those are resolved. So that's the first thing. I finished my homework. I did X, Y, and Z as we discussed. 
where this one's still in process, but here are the next three. And so that's really the way I approach it. Such a big part is the accountability piece. It's so interesting how we have so many clients that say, literally the only reason I got this completed is because I did not want to get on a call with you and tell you I didn't do it. Personal things that are in my way, let's say, or things that I'm working through, but then there's the larger company priorities, understanding and having that perspective that, okay, I can put out fires every day and we can work on these projects that are important to me. But if we take a step back, are we doing the right things from a organizational standpoint? Are we thinking about these things? And so having that perspective, and I look at it the same way, what we do and exchanging ideas and the whole thing. Coaches, they have a great background. They're obviously well-read, well-taught, all those things, but they're also learning from us and from the other 50 people they're dealing with. So it's such a wonderful place to be in the middle. And that's where I feel so fortunate. I get to talk to all these business owners every day and their coworkers and get ideas and then pass them back and forth. And that's really what my coach does for us. And I say for us because the impact is far more than just what it gives me, that sounding board, that therapy session, that direction, that trickles down to our whole organization. As you know, we've done broader coaching. We stopped it during COVID and now we're talking about how do we bring it back and what's the right way to do that. You have to build not just managers, but coaches. Otherwise, culture and the rest of it will get stale and they get on the tasks and those types of things versus developing people, developing ideas. That's the magic and we need to make sure we're doing that. When we were talking about coaching and you said, I'll always invest in my people and coaching for my people because it's the right thing to do. And it is because you're helping them develop as people and as leaders. I mean, that's what coaching really does. What do you feel like were some of the surprising benefits or impact that coaching in your life has had? Well, there's a couple of things. Some of us with individuals that we've had coached. Some of them have been coached to figure out that that's not necessarily their strength. We've coached them out of management positions. They said, I'm really good at this. And that's okay, right? Understanding what's expected. And we've had others that have really blossomed, that have gained so much confidence in how they handle situations, how they handle people. I'm learning from them. So we've seen both sides of it. I think for me, it's just made me a little bit more thoughtful. I can get so driven and focused on the tasks that I forget about the bigger picture. I forget about the idea that we're serving each other. I think people who embrace coaching, it's an interesting dynamic because one of the things I said to the team was, we're going to embrace this. We're going to develop people. And sometimes they're going to develop faster than our organization has opportunity, which means they're going to go somewhere else. We're going to prepare them for their next job. And so we had one young lady who was doing coaching, did a great job. She evolved and decided she was going back to school. She was going to get a job. She became a coder. She was gone for 40 years and came back and said, there's no place I'd rather work than here. And now she's managing people and she's managing projects and she has this new background and information. And we don't hire coders. We have third party, right? We have a programming company. She's the first person we've hired internally to do this because she just gets our culture. She gets what we're trying to do in our business. And she understands the other side of it, right? Something like that for me is super rewarding because sometimes I think the fear that people have around coaching, around doing some of these things as well, they're going to get good and I'm not going anywhere. So where are they going to go? How are they going to find new opportunity and how are we going to keep advancing them? And we just have to be comfortable in knowing that sometimes we're going to develop them beyond 
our growth pattern and they're going to go elsewhere and we need to support that. But that's part of it. When other people see that internally and externally, there's no greater validation. So it comes back to doing the right thing. See, that's what it's about when people talk about why would I invest in my people and if they're going to leave? Well, while they're there, don't you want them to be the best version of themselves as long as they stay there rather than them not doing the work or not being productive because they're not even happy or they should be somewhere else. That's what leaders get to do. We get to help our people grow. How beautiful that sometimes they come back because they think about, hey, I really enjoyed working with Alex. I really enjoyed the culture. I have these new skills that I've developed and learned and the trust and faith that you're going to continue to help them grow when they do come back because that is the culture that you've created. And we're probably more fortunate in this industry. This is such an incestuous industry. You start working in travel, the travel benefits, the culture, the rest of it. People want to stay in travel. So whether they become a partner of ours that we're working with on a cruise line or a tour operator or working in a travel agency that then says, hey, we really want to be part of Signature because I know that culture. I like those guys. Or they come back to our company. There's a lot of benefit. There's so many times where we run back into people that we worked with earlier. And if you treated them right, and you work to develop them, they might be your customer now, they might be your partner, they might be your vendor, whatever it is, but they're so loyal to you. So there's a lot of good reasons to do that. In addition to showing everyone who's in your organization what you're about and that you care, and that's really culture. When they know that you care about them and their development, whether it serves you three years from now or not directly, that says a lot about who you are and the kind of company you're trying to build. For sure. So when... People talk about coaching. Many times they will ask, what's the ROI? It's a big investment, whether it's just for themselves or their people. How do you measure the ROI of your coaching experience? And then, of course, in investing in your people. If you try to draw a direct line to a P&L line item, it's hard. I look at turnover. It's more than just a statistic. Who left? Why they leave? Who came in? Who were we able to recruit that maybe we wouldn't have been able to? Five years before, we do a lot of internal surveys with our team to understand what's important to them, how we could serve them better, what's on their mind. Every other year, we enter into one of those best places to work. And we found one, our headquarters was in Los Angeles. And the reason we picked that one is because it was like a 150-question survey. And I figured, okay, I can't buy this award, right? Every coworker is asked to fill out this survey how many coworkers of the total fill it out, and then what those scores are is how you get ranked. And so we do it every other year. Seven years ago, we went from 35th in Los Angeles, which we thought was the coolest thing ever, to like 20th to 10th last year. When they took the survey, they were still under pay cuts because of COVID. We had lost 20% of our staff. We had strategically downsized during COVID because there was certain things we couldn't do, like in-person meetings and things like that. We were 10th in the travel industry with all this uncertainty and the wheels coming off and all the rest of it. We were 10th. Three weeks after we got to where we did our raises, we reinstated, we did all those things that we had been promising that we were working towards. That's because people believed, people were invested, people understood our culture and wanted to be part of it. Just because you're a travel doesn't mean you can't do anything else. I mean, these are bright young people with degrees from USC and UCLA that could go work at any company, but they chose to stay in a travel company that in an industry that was fledgling, the travel perks were gone, right? No one was traveling. 
and yet they still score better and better. And I can only attribute that to coaching and culture that improved during the worst time in our industry. What do you like the best about your coaching sessions? I originally was chasing Matthew to do my coaching. I had read his faith-based books and then found his business books and went, here's someone who understands both. And so living your faith at work is harder and harder these days. I'm not going to get up and preach and do these things, but I want to just do the right things. And through your actions, people understand that. So I have this platform, not just our company, but this broader platform of 15,000 advisors that we have some level of influence of. And so Matthew is like, I'm not taking on personal clients. And I hired him actually, he came and did a keynote for us one time at our shareholder meeting. And it was funny. I was in the back of the room. I'm like, this is a secular talk, right? We can't get up and do the Catholic thing. And he laughed at me and he was just so spot on. It makes it simple and we're going to do the right things. And it was wonderful. And then he said, talk to Tony. And then I understood that a lot of those same things. So for me, right, selfishly, what I was trying to understand is how do I get comfortable with my own skin? How do I, in some ways, live my faith, but at work at the same time? And it becomes so much more than that. The good thing is I don't focus on living my faith at work. It just happens now because we're doing the right things and we're serving and we're investing. We're doing all these things for our coworkers and for our broader team. So I just really love that bit of it. Nothing is off limits. When I talk to my coach, it's really about my whole life because it all plays in. I've always had a different coach than what we've used for the rest of the company because I never wanted people to think that he was sharing secrets or something with me. But just the holistic approach has really helped me and I think in turn has paid certainly dividends for the company as a whole. That's so awesome. We're very excited to talk to you because now you're interested. We're talking about possibly incorporating a dream manager into the mix over at Signature, which will be so exciting. I think your people will obviously love it. Well, they love the concept. We read the book as a company probably six or seven years ago, both Dream Manager and Off Balance. I think both of them have some really important pieces. When I think of Dream Manager, again, it goes back to caring. If you care enough to understand what your coworkers' dreams are, then you've made a connection that's deeper than most, and you can help guide them overall. How do we get there? A lot of times it's their work that's going to help them achieve their personal dreams. And so... We thought that was really, really important. People enjoyed. And then off balance as well. I agreed with Matthew's assessment, which is work-life balance is in the way people think about it. Is it possible? Just do whatever you do passionately and that'll be your balance, right? If you have to work a long work day, but you kick butt, you come home, I'm a better father, I'm a better husband, I'm a better person. If I cut it short and I'm frustrated, I can't focus on the things that I need to at home. But what I have to remember is when I work that long day and I come home, now I need to be those things that much better. I need to be all in on those things as well. When I'm on vacation, I need to disconnect and really recharge. So finding that balance, doing any one thing passionately is, I think, the balance we're really looking for. Because most of our people's dreams, and we just collected this, we asked for dreams and what they were looking for. And some of them were like, I want to save money to buy a house. I'm like, okay, you have to move out of Los Angeles. It's about places they want to experience and cultures, and it ties right into what we're doing on our nonprofit side too, and giving back, working with these in destination with these charities. And I think there's so many opportunities, right? I'm sure every company, if they ask all their coworkers what are their dreams, some of them are more attainable and easier than others. 
I look at this and go, we can get 90% of these. We can hit this. And then what's their next stream? And how do we do that? How do we really engage them? And then push them to develop and do more as a result of that, right? Time in tighter to us, get them more invested so that we're getting their most passionate work. I think that's important. Not just giving them great trips and experiences, but how does that translate, right, into getting more from your folks? And I don't mean necessarily more hours, just more passionate, more thoughtful, more meaningful work from folks. It's so great. Even hearing you talk about it is so empowering because you can feel how much you want it for your people, how much you want to encourage them to dream. And because so many times people have forgotten to dream or they forget that those are dreams, like the places you want to go, things you want to experience, the skills that you want to develop, all of those things, buying your first home, getting out of debt, all of these things. A lot of people aren't considering those dreams. They don't classify them as dreams, but that's what they are. So when people are like, I don't have dreams, when they have a leader like you that's encouraging them, no, you do. And I'm going to help you make that happen. Obviously, they're going to show up at work more engaged and passionate because they are becoming more engaged in their own lives. And their dream might be a different career path. It could be education that's going to take them down a different path. How do we get there? How do we get to a point where they can afford to do it or they have the time to do it or whichever? So the most exciting part of what we do is really understanding our coworkers and then how do we serve them? Again, if we serve them, they're going to serve us. So how do we take care of them in a way that isn't just throwing money at it or you think about Silicon Valley in these days, right? It's just who can pay more? Then there's perks. We're going to get a bus that's going to pick you up so you never have to drive. We're going to get Wi-Fi on this. We're going to give you free food. Some of that stuff is important, I think. But to me, material stuff, you start to take for granted pretty quickly. We need to pay well. Do we need to give bonuses, share profits, all those? Yes, 100%. But at the same time, how do we touch them in a more meaningful way that really changes lives, perceptions, all the rest of it, right? And if we could do that, it does create loyalty, but I don't mean it like they owe us. I think that's important. If we do it right, we do it from the right place, they're going to give back in a meaningful way. If we have this, like it's a tit for tat kind of thing, that's not true service. That's not true dream managing. That's just trying to find the next little nugget that's going to keep someone tied to your company longer. And I think it has to be a little more genuine than that. It has to be, how do we serve them? And if we do that, then they're going to serve us. If there is a leader that is listening, thinking, I've never done coaching, I've never had a coach, what advice would you give to someone thinking about potentially hiring a coach for the first time or maybe hiring a coach again? I think having that sounding board is just so important. It is private. And so I can throw the dumb ideas and I'm thinking about this and I'm on way off base here. And just to have that sounding board for me has just made me more effective, I believe, as a leader. To me... It's just about being open to getting feedback and understanding what's working and what's not. And I think that's a fear that most leaders have. We say we want feedback, but do we really? Just want everyone to smile and nod and say life's grand. But I think you just have to get over yourself and accept that we're better if we can really share openly and get good constructive feedback. Got to take the ego out of it. Yes. I really believe that when I watch companies that struggle, when I watch companies do well, it's almost always, in my mind, hinged on ego, right? Are they humble? Are they serving? Or are they looking for something? And this, for me, has been a great 
humble experience to say like, I don't have the answer here. I have trepidation about this upcoming meeting. I don't know how to handle this coworker. I want to serve them. But at the same time, this is the challenge I have. And so I leave there invigorated because I have new ideas, but I have to humble myself to be able to share those things openly. I'm just so grateful that you took the time to chat. It's always wonderful chatting with you. And I love hearing you talk about your team and what you're doing to develop such a great culture over there. I see why people would come back to work with you and why it's such a thriving business because of the way that you lead and putting people first. And that's what it's all about. So you talk about it so passionately. So I appreciate you. I always felt like I took over a company that had a good culture, but I think it's so much better today. And I don't take credit for that, but it's also the people we listen to. So your feedback, the books we've read, the coaching I've got, the coaching the team's got has made us much better and certainly made us more prepared for those dark days during COVID and now the recovery and resurgence. So thank you for all of your help. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We hope you got lots out of it. What a fun, engaging conversation with Alex. I love his passion, his passion for coaching, his passion for his people, his passion for the business and serving others. What a lesson that when we put others, when we are serving our clients, when we are serving those people that we work with, ultimately, it's going to help our business grow. That's what's going to create that great culture. It's going to help you attract and retain great talent, great clients, people that we get to work with. That's what it's about. So if you are considering hiring a coach for the first time, or maybe you've hired someone in the past and maybe it's time to get a new coach, we would love to talk to you about that and how we have the right coach for you at the right time in your business, whatever it is that you're going through. And you can check that out over at floydcoaching.com. And as always, thank you so much. We so appreciate you listening. If you have not yet written a review, please take a couple of minutes to go over to iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast and write a review on the show. It really does help us out trying to spread the message and help more leaders discover this podcast to help them build dynamic cultures so people love coming to work and accomplishing great things together. Until next time, lead with culture.